Welkom at the Technology Labs podcast number 8. I'm Tom. I'm Rick. And I'm Daniel. And our guest today is Berend Veenendaal. Van Veenendaal. Van Veenendaal, <laughs> in good Dutch. And <laughs> maybe it's good that you introduce yourself, Berend. Yes, hello. Uh, uh, my name is Berend van Veenendaal. I'm working as a senior Java developer for Society. I'm doing that for six years now. Um, and, I'll, uh, and I always have a strong focus on uh, quality cool. in the projects that I do. Great, good. Well, that already hints to the main topic of today, and that is about a new book that's coming up, Quality for DevOps Teams. And uh, we're going to talk about it uh, in uh, much more detail later on. Uh, but first, we start with a couple of tech updates. And uh, Daniel, I'd like to start with you. What, what is your tech update, aside from the fact that you almost stole my update? Yeah, yeah. But we'll um, come to that uh, we'll later. Come to that later. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> My update is about Google. Um, okay. Google drops gender labels from image recognition to reduce bias. So Google's, uh, Google has a Cloud Vision API where you can send, for instance, an, an image to, and then it will recognize if it's a man or a woman or something like that. or um, Cat or a dog. All kinds of things. And okay. now they uh, will no longer identify people by gender. Okay. But they will um, identify it by a person. So they will say it's a person on the picture. Ah, not a man or a woman. Exactly. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, that's one of the changes they um, introduced, actually. And I think it's it's an interesting move because sometimes you, uh, I, I see that um, companies would like to know if it's a man or a woman, sure. for instance. Um and uh, they are actually um, pulling that from their API. So it might be that some companies won't um, won't have uh, a lot of value from that uh, from that API. So they will <laughs> choose other uh, vision APIs probably f- uh, to to get those kinds of uh, uh, those kinds of values from uh, from uh, image recognition. Um, actually, it's it's an interesting way to. Uh yeah, to reduce bias, mm-hmm. because actually it simply uh, ignores one data item, but does it actually reduce bias? Uh, one of the problems with image recognition, uh, for example, and w- we talked about it pre- in, in one of the previous podcasts, is uh, they um, uh, coded gaze, as Joy Buolamwini mm-hmm. calls it, where the... Uh, uh, the algorithms that recognize the gender are not very well uh, trained because they were biased. But now Google just removes the data yeah. item to reduce bias. But actually, it's it's more like we simply don't have the data item mm-hmm. anymore, so you can't have any bias because there's no it's data not, item. It's not yeah. there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what they and what they state in an email to developers, Google cited two reasons for the changes. It's impossible to infer someone's gender by appearance, and attempting to do so could uh, perpetuate unfair biases. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but then this thing is bias in the in the rest of the chain after the the recognition, right? Yeah. So actually, they address two problems. One yeah. problem is when you try to use image recognition to determine whether it's a man or a woman, it often goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And the second is if you use it then this gender may be used to uh, uh, extrapolate other information 
And then it may say, oh, this happens more for men or for women, whereas being a man or a woman is not relevant. It's irrelevant, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You could even debate, because I know there's some discussions everywhere, that uh, gender is never something that, that, that discerns something from something else. Yeah? That women are less strong than men. That, why do you want that information? Yeah, and it's why do you not need always it? true. And, and it's not always true, that aside from that fact. There are definitely our, uh, women that are stronger than uh, sure, men. Sure, uh, so. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that and holds for almost every other aspect uh, uh, that you can discern from a... Yeah there, yeah, there are just a very few biological things that differentiate men from <laughs> women, but most of them are not relevant for no. companies. No, yeah, exactly. That's what I, yeah, that's what I, that's, that's what you see happening there. Yeah, but so maybe even some some are actually uh, because if you look at um, if there's some uh, something, let me let me think of a good example. I don't have yeah, a really yeah. good example yeah. right now, but for instance, if um, you have something that's particularly for for men or women, so for instance, a toilet. You have male toilets and and female toilets. Well, one of, that's one of the that's things of that, that also is it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah. less and less today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. it's also a debate. More, more often see gender I mean, neutral, yeah, neutral okay. toilets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you look at uh, for instance, uh, if there are some complaints about men being loitering in front of the toilet, for instance, and yeah, they want to recognize the person that is uh, doing that it. is there doing that. They might have some image recognition or or uh, but what yeah recognition to spot that person, for instance. But why do you want to know if it's a man or, or if they received complaints about if it's a man, for instance? Yeah, but yes. why? Why but should why they do you want, get yeah. a complaint if it's a woman? Yeah, it's about the person and not about yeah. Yeah, men but if or you women. want, if you can spot that person er earlier because of that uh, information, that would be beneficial for a company, of course. Or yeah, for but a again, or yeah, but again, probably there's a lot of other uh, behavior around it that is much more interesting to detect than mm -hmm. whether it's a man or a woman. No, because okay, in the end, yeah, the, a woman can also be hanging around. And sure, then, sure. But if they so want to pinpoint that person, yes. And if it's a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Doesn't, but, yeah, yeah. A um, person. If yeah. they can uh, identify that person more easily because they um, have less people to to yeah, look the, into. The interesting thing is they they yeah. want to identify on unique characteristics, mm -hmm. and it is uh, quite doable to. Uh, positively identify people from Im images without gender, but, and you don't need to gender. You just say this picture is the same as that picture, so it's yeah. the same person, yeah. Yeah. and doesn't matter what it is. I can imagine that uh, if you want, well, maybe not even if you uh, 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 have a police department that wants to put out an APB yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, to, to find someone, yeah. yeah, a search warrant uh, for someone that you want to describe that person, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to describe it on the radio <laughs> in an... Yeah, okay. Yeah? And no, often not they in a visual way. it's a man. <laughs> exactly. And and now I'm thinking, while we're discussing this, do you really need that? No, because <coughs> they, you can make the same mistakes. Yeah. Bias. Yeah. And if you know the color Agreed. of the hair, the eyes, the... Height. The form one of, of the face. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things yeah. for the uh, criminal is uh, dress like a woman yeah, and yeah, nobody exactly, looks for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that that <laughs> is exactly what I it was thinking. It doesn't add any value or any no. thing. No, but it's it's just one of the val values, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't see. It's just another uh, another point where you can look for. Yeah, but well, why but do you really so need do you really yeah, need okay, it to make so, the distinguishment so between this person and that person? When I look at you, I see you are both. 
Yeah. But I can't prove if you are a man or a woman. But, it, but that's you look like oh, a that's man, statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I can't may, uh, say it for 100%. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh, there are also <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are other uh, <laughs> it's aspects. It's difficult, especially when you sure. also take into account that there are uh, uh, things in between. Of course, yeah. But scientifically, it's not a man one or, or the a other. woman. Yeah, yeah. You also have that. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a whole variety of, of gender. Uh, 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 I don't know how many uh, different genders we can discern already, but uh, there, there's there's definitely more than two at mm -hmm. least. So, yeah. Well, and at least uh, uh, since in passports is possible to get an X. Yes. So this is a good thing of Google to also yeah. just drop it because who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Daniel is still not convinced, I see. No, I'm, I'm still, okay. yeah. I'm well, why let, do you, let's there's, think a, there's let's another think one. About there's one, one other aspect that I'm just think, uh, thinking about uh, is about the medical uh, area. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of um, uh, experimenting and there's a lot of research being done on uh, diseases mm -hmm. on men and women. Yeah. And uh, medication uh, for men and for women is significantly different for mm -hmm. the one and the other. And you could have a man and a woman with the same height, the same weight, the same eye color, the same everything, mm -hmm. the same hair color, the same, all the other aspects, you can have them the same, but still the dose of the medicine would be different for a man and for a woman. So that's a point where I can see where you need to discern whether you are a man or a mm. woman. But your medical, Records. Records are private, so then yeah. you can yeah, fill in what it is. Yeah, that's the, that's that's not a situation where you need recognition. You might no, say, yeah? probably the doctor can ask you uh, what gender yes. do you like me yes. to yes. put down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, true. That's okay. True. But that's that's the only situation where I can imagine that the uh, that gender makes a difference uh, aside from all the other aspects mm -hmm. that you can make a difference on. So, yeah. uh, but maybe you don't want to do recognition there. So yeah, okay. Uh, well, interesting topic to say the least, right? Rick, what is uh, your tech update for today? Well, uh, today I was looking into CICD tooling, not, not without total reason, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I came uh, okay. across a, an article and that just triggered me because it says the best 14 CICD tools you must know. And then the funny thing is that uh, I, um, I'm always more looking at things from a uh, methodical uh, perspective. And I think, why would I want to know 14 CICD tools? Because I guess I, even in a complex CICD pipeline, would I need 14 tools? So um, You'd be amazed, I think, but uh, still. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but also I'm thinking I'm, I'm mainly interested what a CICD pipeline can do for me. So... Why would I want to know these uh, tools? But it, it's funny that if you look for uh, CICD and, and pipelines, you get this kind of list. And it's interesting that a lot of the tools that are mentioned are well-known tools, obviously. Like? like um, can you give examples? Well, they <coughs> give here uh, Jenkins, Bamboo, GitLab, um, and a lot of others. And some of them are uh, free tools uh, and some are uh, uh, mm -hmm. paid tools. Um, but um, what I miss a little bit in lists like this is Microsoft. What? Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing one of the big. Oh, you ones. you miss a tool vendor now. But I I'm uh, missing <laughs> the the reason why 
you want to have tools uh, because I uh, I'm yeah. always on the uh, position that uh, you want to achieve something, sure, and yeah. then you want something uh, something to help you, yeah, and that's it can what be we call any tool. a tool, yeah, and pff, I don't care and much. Today is tool A, and, and tomorrow it's yeah. going to be B, and 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 whatever. therefore, so we'll put it in the show notes, but also keep in mind that this one says the best tools for 2019 well okay mm-hmm. we are into in 2020, 2020 for mm-hmm. a few months now so probably it's still valid but if we are five years down the road probably most of these tools will not not be used anymore or, 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 or be phones, considered or uh, legacy yeah um so it, it the tools change very rapidly but yeah. the reasons for having these tools probably stay the same much longer yes so the so function uh, within a, a ci city pipeline yeah, the capability. A, a set that of it functions that a CI CD pipeline sh- must do. Yeah. That's much more interesting than looking at the tools that help you do those functions, those steps, right? Indeed. Yeah. Yes, the purpose of the tools, I think it's more interesting yeah. for us, uh, Bamboo or Jenkins yeah. or Team Foundation Server. It's not really interesting, but what of they course. do, uh, we use Jenkins for orchestration. That's interesting. You will need that in five years as well, I think. Yeah, so but it could be yeah, another tool. The kind of tools is more interesting. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. that's the capabilities. Okay, okay. Yeah. It also differs if you are a Microsoft developer, open source developer, or the, can, the context you are developing in. Yeah, then yeah. your tool set changes probably. Yeah, then the best uh, 14 tools would be different for a Microsoft developer well, because he or she is developing in, in that area. And that differs from uh, an open source or a Java developer I or something like I that. I don't completely agree because the, there's more and more coming together in that part. Because oh, before we were talking about uh, a Microsoft developer versus open source developer, but oh, yeah. you can be a Microsoft developer and also an open source developer. Yeah, sure. No, so I, no, the, it's, it's colliding. Agree, yeah. Those worlds are colliding a lot. And yeah. also, oh, that's uh, interesting. If you look at Java, Java, you can do that with Microsoft Toolset also because. If you look at Microsoft, for them, it's way more interesting to have people with Java, um, uh, a Java toolset on their own uh-huh. uh, environment because they can earn money from it. So why wouldn't they? Yeah, but they I can don't. Also, yeah. also put it the other way around. Uh, not about vendor Microsoft open source, but sometimes you're working for a company, and they are yes. working completely with IBM tooling. Yep. So you will different. You will use different tooling than at some other company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. For us, as, as, as traveling between different companies and coming into different assignments, you encounter sometimes the environment that already has a specific set of tools implemented and they, yes. yeah, they're yeah. used working uh, in that way. So, yeah. and But still, I think the, the, the main thing is that you need to know, okay, what kind of functions do I need to build uh, a CI/CD pipeline? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then any tool that fills in that function is, is good enough, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, you have preferences, uh, but everyone has a preference for a specific yeah. tool, right? I mean, some like to code in uh, the VI and uh, others like to code in Microsoft environments. And uh, Yeah, but sometimes it's more yeah. important to join what's already there mm-hmm. than yes. to prefer your own uh, of course. tool. Exactly, because that's, if that's you have like, te- maybe you have a couple of teams and it's 20 people total. One, one of the uh, important of interesting sayings is uh, the best tool to use is the tool that is available. Yeah. Yes, because there of that tool there is knowledge available as well. Yeah. yeah. And support. Indeed. It doesn't make sense if you are in an open source company to use Microsoft, or if you are mm-hmm. in a Microsoft company uh, to use Jenkins. Then it's much better to use 
what is available. Tooling that's and, available there, yeah. I think. And where you have a lot of support and experience already. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, Unless that you have you a good reason for not doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's not mandatory in that sense, but uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Okay. So and now then, we have to uh, publish a list of uh, of uh, CI/CD tools every year or every half a year. Then from now on, or what? What are we? What are we going to do with this knowledge now? Well, um, in a minute when we are going to discuss the book, we will learn that there's a, a list of, of minutes, capabilities. Yeah. yeah. And then you can make a list of tools that fulfill these capabilities. Okay, okay. And cool. that's uh, probably something we'll do. Okay, okay, cool. Good. Good to know, good to know. Then, So, uh, Tom, what's your update? Yeah, my update is about uh, a weird notification that was sent round, round on Samsung phones, Galaxy phones. I don't know if ever anyone here has the Galaxy Something no, but I read something about it. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people read about it. And there was um, oh, a notification being sent worldwide to Samsung Galaxy phones with a notification screen popping up uh, on top of everything, uh, which had the number one in it and below it, one rule below it, also the number one. So it was one and then another one. One, one. So one, it one. was sort of a... Uh, uh a sports game uh, uh, result. Yeah, one or one. one one or a binary <laughs> push of uh, I don't know. Uh, but everybody is now uh, wondering what it's about. Yeah, what is it? no? Well, and and people were freaking out when they <laughs> saw this uh, happening uh, when when it was sent around. Uh, eventually, the um, well, the rationale from Galaxy uh, from Samsung behind it is that they were sending a test message and. Uh, by mistake, it was sent uh, <laughs> on a worldwide scale, and everyone this received this nice message. It, it uh, happens sometimes that these yeah, yeah, messages yeah. make it to production, but yeah. to all devices yes. in the world is quite a mistake. Someone yeah. really missed out on the. <laughs> and the, the weird part was it, it it was a notification from yeah. the Find My Mobile yes. app. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. everybody was like, well, "What the hell?" Yeah. <laughs> so all the mobiles were found. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <sort well>. <laughs> Well, the, the, the freaky thing, or the freaky thing, people were freaking out about this because they clicked it uh, away because they saw this one, uh, it is strange, clicking it away. And then they saw that it was from the Find My Mobile app, mm -hmm. but they already clicked it away. So they were thinking, oh, what, what did I click away? Yeah, it yeah. cannot get it back anymore uh -huh. because and it's it's being pushed, right? It's not, yeah, it's not so pulled. You, you lose the message. You lose the message and, and you think, think, what did I lose? Who <laughs> is trying to find my mobile? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I can imagine that this, because it was from the Find My Mobile app, that people were thinking, oh, am I hacked? Is it possible? If, if someone is able to send me this message from this app, then anyone can do it. Is the Samsung environment hacked? Or uh, is my uh, my privacy uh, in jeopardy? Is it, uh, what, what is going on? So people were really freaking out on this situation. And Samsung was... Well, yeah, if I'm reading it correctly, but it's it's yeah, of course, tracing back to what happened and how mm -hmm. they responded to it, uh, etc. Um, they were responding through Twitter and through various channels channels uh, that they did this on mistake and it was a test message and not meant for the worldwide mm -hmm. uh, distribution. Um, but on the other hand, I was thinking, why weren't they using the same mechanism to reassure everyone that this was a <laughs> test message that was sent by mistake so everyone could read that and then yeah. all else well, was good, the, right? I mean, The trouble with these things that happen by mistake, it, if you want to correct it, you must be sure that it will work. Yeah, 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 and yeah. this happened by mistake, so you're not sure that it will always no, work. No, no, that's true. It's true. <laughs> but but yeah. that you can try. Yeah. 
Yeah, at least you can try and, and use it. And if it goes channel. wrong, you have uh, millions yeah. of uh, yeah. more confused people. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe so. Uh, but if you delve into this topic, then you find a lot of situations where this is happening uh, or has happened before. Eh? The, the use, and like Rick already said, the use of a production environment instead of a test environment is easily made. And you see that these kind of strange messages popping up on these kind of services, they have happened in the past with various brands of phones. And uh, so, so the Samsung one is not a stranger uh, in this area, I would say. So it's not something to worry about. Uh, and it's something that's happening. And then maybe in the end, if I was thinking back on it, uh, it, it's a good thing because now I know at least that Samsung is testing, continuously testing all kinds of features and also this one. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so yeah, it should give trust that the Samsung phone is tested thoroughly and all its services uh, uh, that go with it. So you can also explain it in a positive way. So that was my tech update. <laughs> well, Related to testing drop. and quality, uh, <coughs> and the use of quality in, uh, in maybe a DevOps team that was doing it huh, in, uh, in operations. And they used uh, well, the wrong operations environment in this case uh, to develop something and to test it out. Uh, but that brings us to the topic of today. And uh, uh, also why Berend is here, uh, is that there's a book coming up, Quality for DevOps Teams, as already said. Um, well, Berend, can you uh, give a brief introduction to uh, to the book and, and uh, why it is coming up? <coughs> yes, uh, at least uh, I will try it. Um, sure. And otherwise, Rick, as, uh, as also one of the authors, he can also help you out here, uh, I'm guessing, right? Yes, maybe, Rick, you can start first and I will join later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I... I uh, Thought we'd leave the stage first to Berend uh, to, uh, but uh, so no problem, no problem. Uh, about a year ago, we started off um, because um, in the world of quality and quality engineering, you see that more and more the team is the responsible party. So it's not a person in a team that's responsible for uh, quality, but the team as a whole is responsible for the quality. And since quality was often the, um, the, the focus area of people in uh, the digital assurance and testing world, um, we wanted to make uh, it a broad and broadly supported topic. And that's why in a, a reasonably early stage, uh, <coughs> we involved people with a, a totally different background in creating this book. And that's how uh, Berend came involved. And um, and a totally different background, you mean not solely looking at this topic from a testing perspective, right? Yeah, well, definitely not just about testing. So because testing in itself, we think is not uh, what you're striving for. Eh? Mm -hmm. Te testing is just to support uh, reaching the quality you need. but. In, uh, but there are many more things that help uh, achieving the right quality level. And, and that's why we uh, involved uh, Berend. And, and so the, uh, the book is made by many, many people. Eh? If you look in the thank you uh, section of the book, I did not really count them, but I think it's about 80 people. Wow. 
Um, but on the cover we have uh, Berend, we have Dennis Geurts, we have Wouter Ruigrok uh, and myself. And also a big part was created by Le uh, Leo van der Aalst. Uh, and uh, the topic of uh, automation and performance was uh, done by uh, Richard Amala. And um, well, together we created a book that we think does really serve uh, teams as a whole. Uh, because in today's world, yeah, the team is the the, um, uh, the responsible party for for product development. You mean, right? Well, even more for delivering business value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to have, yeah, exactly. <coughs> so you have really multidisciplinary teams uh, that deliver value, uh, and it's not about the individuals. Uh, a developer delivering its thing uh, uh, to, and that contributes to a nice integrated solution. And if I may go in one little detail, we uh, rather have cross-functional teams than multidisciplinary teams. Okay. Because in our definition, a multidisciplinary team is a team that has a couple of specialists together. Yes. And if one specialist isn't there, that work is not done. Okay. Whereas a cross-functional team has a couple of people that together can achieve every goal. And if one person in the team isn't there, the team still achieves the goal. Okay, okay. As, cool. as what Rick is saying, uh, the only thing in the end that really matters is the, qual the quality that is delivered. And in my opinion, uh, I'm convinced that you only achieve uh, the quality if, we, if, you work re if you really work together as a team. And the projects I used to work, you always see a developer is doing his thing, a tester is doing his thing, and they're both doing it uh, the best they can, mm -hmm. but they work on islands. And uh, I'm convinced that's not working. You need to work together first to understand each other, to respect each other, but also to uh, make each other better. <laughs> so for a developer uh, perspective, a developer should take testing more seriously. We see most of the times unit testing, we do it because we must do it. But if you do it because you want to achieve quality, you get better tests, but you also start... Um, how do you say that? Uh, respecting the tester, you can help the tester. Sure. But yeah. also the, the other way around. Yeah. And when you work as a team for the same results, uh, you will put more effort in it to achieve it because you are uh, responsible together for it. Cool. So if you, you're also saying that if you have the test engineer have more insight in how the development process works, that you get also much more insight in why mistakes were made or why uh, a defect is where it is, and uh, maybe also have some more insight on where to look for, right? That also delivers more quality uh, in the end. As if you know what you are doing from each other, you can use some discussion starting, mm -hmm. and you can learn from each other, you get some different insight, perspectives, uh, you can help each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, it's much more constructive than uh, uh, only yeah, yeah, checking so the quality from uh, yeah, a mutual check uh, with, with a big distance between it. Yes, in some projects you see, oh, there's a tester again, and he's complaining, uh, yeah. and the developer is, of the tester is thinking, oh, why is the developer not doing his job properly? Yeah. And when you work together, it's then... Yeah, it's much more constructive yes. and uh, a much better positive environment to, uh, to build on the the same, uh, with the same result in mind. Yes, yeah. yeah, so if you have a team responsibility, you don't go home and say, oh, tomorrow is another day. Yeah. You just go for it and make yeah. sure the whole project reached the 
desired quality. Yeah, and, and one reason why DevOps teams need this better quality perspective is because the ultimate thing of DevOps is the, the, the uh, often it's said, uh, you build it, you run it. So um, the team is also the, the group of people that is called at night if the system breaks. And then the team has to solve it. So they have an intrinsic <coughs> need to build quality because they themselves will have uh, at least uh, have to wake up at night if the system breaks. So they feel the pain if there's not enough quality uh, themselves. And uh, I but, think. But if I may interrupt you here, is it then is this something that is now the case already, or is it a future that you're that we're working towards? There, for some companies, it's the future. But yeah. I, I've spoken to people that work in this matter, and actually, the whole team is called at Sunday night if the system breaks, because often, if they release stuff, well, we'll, we'll probably get into uh, CI/CD pipelines where you can continuously release. Mm -hmm. But often, when you still have releases. Uh, for example, every two weeks, they do that in the weekend. Yeah. And then on Sunday night, they discover that it failed. And then the whole team uh, gets called okay. at Sunday night and they have to fix it. Um, Because so I, can, I can also imagine that traditionally, uh, from a traditional perspective, a lot of companies are um, uh, organized in a way where you have development teams and, and, uh, and test engineers and everyone together. Huh? Yeah, and uh, operations building, uh, exactly, and you have an operations team that then takes over when um, well something gets to production and, and runs there, because they have yeah, different organizations. They're organized in a different way. Yeah, okay, but that's what you see happening now, uh, don't you, Beren? That that organizations organizations are transferring to having okay. integrated DevOps teams. I think it's the same discussion as you have with. Uh new projects and maintenance projects uh, when you own as a developer where you're only working on new projects you build it you walk away to the next project and it's good for every developer to be uh, taken responsible for the work they make the mistakes they make uh, because you start developing on a different way okay and it's also in a devops team making uh, when your phone is ringing at night and you have to wake up to fix your stuff The next time you build it, uh, you're thinking twice before releasing it. Yeah. And how does it work? Because I can also imagine, but it's maybe also the advocate of the devil uh, speaking. Uh, if you are a dev in a DevOps team, you're building something, you're releasing it, you have to maintain what is being released, you build something new, also gets into production, you have to maintain that as well, uh, uh, keep it running. At some point in time, you're full with your activities that are running out there. And then you're not able to develop something new anymore. Or is that a too negative way of, of looking at it? But at least you get the experience uh, from uh, being called at night. So all, even if you uh, go to the to your new project, mm -hmm. you will think twice before releasing it. But now, because now you know the consequences that other people will suffer okay. if you are uh, building a crap software. Okay. But is okay. there is yeah. there a big difference between this and what I had a couple of years back when I was developing? Um, we kind of had a social pressure on when you commit something and push it into <coughs> the master branch or in the, into the develop branch, and it would break a build, and we had to buy treats for the rest of the team, so that kind of thing. Um, 
in essence, it's the same, only on a larger scale, I think. Okay. Yeah, and what yes, we try to achieve, yeah. and that's also what we describe in the book, is that you try to get the awareness of quality in the team. And one of the things you do is, it's not that a developer pushes something into the main branch, but he gives a pull request and somebody else has to pull it into the main branch. And of course, it's not just about that somebody else pulls, but somebody else first looks mm -hmm. before decides, do I pull this or not? Yeah. And that's building in quality in the process that you always have a second eye on a new thing. Mm -hmm. Because especially if things uh, get uh, under pressure, then people uh, do things uh, quickly and they, yeah, they happen to make mistakes. So it's good that in the whole process, it's uh, uh, normal that somebody else has a, has a look. Uh, and that's one of the uh, quality measures uh, mm -hmm. involved. But by doing that, it also becomes a team responsibility by default. Indeed, yeah. And it's also good for learning. Yeah. When I review a pull request from my colleagues, I learn from it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you learn so how they do things and uh, how they get do solutions and stuff so like that. So this book yeah. will kind of be a, a set of guidelines how you should work together as DevOps teams. Is that what it is? or? Yeah, it's uh, the work... The book describes how a uh, DevOps team can implement quality and can engineer quality um, to finally meet the, the goal. And the goal is to deliver business value. Mm -hmm. Of course, with yeah. high quality. The highest no, quality possible. No, no, with the proper quality. The proper Sometimes quality. low quality at the right moment is better than high quality too late. Okay. So okay. you try to reach the the quality level that's needed um maybe it's also good then if you uh, you want to achieve that goal uh, you need something and we already started at the start of this podcast talking about uh, cicd pipelines mm -hmm. yeah uh, and of course that's one of the well, mechanisms that can speed up or help deliver quality uh, in uh, in a devops team yeah uh, and you already talked about the different uh, functions within that pipeline instead of the tools being used, right? Yeah. So what what are the functions that you discern if you uh, uh, start building a CI/CD pipeline? What kind of elements are there? Uh, <clears throat> I think it depends on the on the projects and the company the pipeline is used. But elements I always that I want to see there from a developer perspective is uh, the code needs to be built. Sure. Uh, test uh, unit test must be run. Code should be deployed. Uh, integration test must be run. Code should be deployed, etc., etc. Okay. Yeah. So, so in the book we have a uh, description, a high-level description of what the essential things in a CI/CD pipeline are. Okay. And like Beren described, you have the CI part, which is about continuous integration of the code which uh, uh, goes until the stage where the team does testing to see whether what is built is good enough. And then it's uh, deployed to uh, the business stage, which is the, the CD part of the pipeline. Uh, and from the D in this case is? Well, we, we use the D in, uh, so it's called CI-CD. CI is continuous integration and CD 
is continuous delivery and continuous deployment. Right, okay. Whereas continuous deployment is an extension of continuous delivery. And in some companies, they don't go beyond continuous delivery, but the yep. ultimate goal is deployment. And deployment means put it actually live in production. Well, they also do that, but not in an automated way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, okay, uh, you yeah, can debate whether do. it's a manual yeah, activity okay, or we, a uh, automatic activity. Yeah, yeah? But, so but, you always have to deploy only... Uh, the CI/CD pipeline is of often a often a uh, automated pipeline. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it could al- could it also have manual steps in in it? Or do you what do you think of that? Well, it basically, well, it can. But the are. the idea of DevOps is automate everything you can automate. Okay. I think the pipeline itself is uh, one uh, is automatically. So it's a fully automated pipeline. Yeah, so maybe um, if the deployment to production is manually, I would consider that as not part of the pipeline. Okay. Yeah, but but there are, of course, manual steps in between because we talked about uh, the pull request, for instance, that had to be approved by one of the team members. That's, of course, a manual step. In my opinion, that's not part of the uh, pipeline. Okay. The pull request is there when the people have to review it, say, hey, it's Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. One can merge it and uh, push it to the repository, mm-hmm. and that pushes a trigger to start the pipeline. Okay, so there's and no quality we'll check after that anymore. Now you can build Sorry, in some quality. How do you mean? So, for instance, if you put it to the, yeah, for instance, you have the, the multiple stages. So, um, if there's like a, a team that is uh, with two people who are approving it, so one builds it and one other person approves that PR, that's all to production then afterwards. Now you can build in some uh, quality safeguards in your pipeline. Mm -hmm. (coughs) A few of them are the unit test, integration test. Mm -hmm. If some are failing, the pipeline stops. Also, you can think of a tool like uh, Sonacube. Mm -hmm. Uh, When there are some issues or blocking issues, the pipeline can stop there. Hey, uh, we're not going to bring this to test or to acceptance production. Because of this percentage, yeah, so you can also add some. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so to see if there are security uh, threats in the libraries you are using. Um, yeah. There are all kinds of tooling, security tooling you yeah. can think of to put in your pipeline. Mm-hmm. So the idea is quality is actually guaranteed throughout the pipeline, and quality is assessed at different levels. So yeah. that's in the CI part of the pipeline. You look at the uh, more technical perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, do code, uh, automated code reviews mm-hmm. with, with mm-hmm. things like Sonocube. And in the CD part <coughs> of the pipeline, it's all about uh, delivering the software to the next stage, ultimately to uh, production stage. But there's other quality uh, uh, assessments involved, which we have called in our, our standard setup the, the business test stage. Yeah. Yeah, so but even when it's in production already... You keep on mon- uh, yeah. monitoring, so you keep an eye on it. Hey, yeah. what's, uh, what's my code doing? What's my software doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Is there a potential risk? Then we have to act before uh, something goes wrong. Yeah, because w- what <coughs> we describe in the book about DevOps is it, there are uh, one, one of the problems we encountered while writing the book is that the term DevOps is very often used, but there is no one unique definition of what is DevOps. So everybody that says they are DevOps, they basically are right because there's not one definition. So yeah. w- we have looked into 
what then is DevOps? Well, ultimately, the word DevOps consists of development and operations. So both building stuff and running stuff mm -hmm. is brought together in one team. But there are multiple uh, roles in the team, like business analysis. Uh, there's a product owner who knows what should be built. There are people responsible for quality. There may be uh, um, well other multiple roles in the team. Uh, and. And also DevOps is often depicted by an infinity symbol, which has some activities. And in our infinity symbol, we put in only six um, activities. And it all starts with monitoring. Monitoring is just keeping an eye on, is everything working as it should be? And if something isn't working as it should be, then you have a reason to change something in your uh, business and in the IT that supports the business. And then you come through the activities of plan. So what do you want to change? Code, the actual making the change. Integrate, to merge it in the system as a whole. Deploy, so that it can be used. And operate, to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And then you have monitoring again. Yeah. So that's the basic activities. And then from a quality perspective, we have defined 20 different topics about quality and these topics should be related in one way or another to the six activities and it's not that one topic only is for this uh, activity mm -hmm. so uh, the, the good viewer may notice that in our infinity symbol there is not the word test because often we see infinity symbols that after integrate have test or after code have test mm -hmm. but Testing is a very narrow view. And in our opinion, it's about quality engineering. And there's various topics that relate to multiple activities. So therefore, we have described these topics. And I think in this podcast, we, we don't have time to go into mm -hmm. details of all the 20 topics. Mm -hmm. But they are grouped in two groups. The organizing topics. So what do we need to organize to uh, make sure that we reach the quality level we need? and the performing topics, which are about the things you need to actually do to guarantee the quality. And some uh, performing topics are more related to development activities, and others are related to testing activities, and other to operations activities. Okay, 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 clear. Well, that's already a, a, a nice insight in, uh, in the, the book that is to come. When, when uh, will the book be, uh, be released then? Because now... Well, uh, we're that teasing a lot of the information here. And, be, uh, what is it, the release date for the book? It, it will be released tomorrow. Well, that is uh, looking from the broadcast date of yes. this podcast. Yes. But uh, I don't know when you are listening to this podcast. <laughs> so, so it will be or has been released on the 17th of March. Okay. Um, with a big event. Okay. okay and great. then uh, we'll probably go uh, around uh, the world to... Uh, Introduce it everywhere and yeah, uh, to talk about uh, the, the different topics that uh, that are described in this book. Uh, yeah, we're course. working on training courses. Uh. Cool, cool. Yeah, that that was my next question. What is the what are the next steps after the book is being released? So there will be training courses on this topic. Other activities that uh, that are being done, or is it then uh, the the then it's out there in the for the world to uh, to start reading the book and Promotional put it into tours. practice? <laughs> yeah, well, no. I think that's one part. We have to promote it and give training and uh, yep. tell it to our customers. Of course. Mm -hmm. But I think we also have to start with change, 
when I take a look at the development department where I work, we have to start changing the mindsets of the developers as well. Yeah. To yeah. make sure that uh, quality is a whole team responsibility and not only uh, <coughs> uh, something testers have to do. Yeah. And that is something we have to st uh, start working on. Great. So yeah, that's, that's a nice... Because de DevOps is... is uh, mainly a culture. It's a way of yeah. looking at things and a way of uh, yeah working together. Okay, cool. And, uh, that sounds good. Uh, well, quality for DevOps teams uh, will be out there after uh, you've listened to this uh, this podcast, uh, probably. Uh, so, well, try to get hold of uh, this book, I would say, and uh, start reading it. And and of course, we would like to hear feedback on uh, what you think of uh, of this of the topics in the book. Mm -hmm. So we can talk on it furthermore in one of our future podcasts. Uh, for now, I would like to thank Berend for uh, being our guest today. Thank you. And yeah, uh, good to talk about uh, uh, a topic that's coming up, uh, quality for DevOps teams. Uh, thank you listeners for listening. And yeah, we'll see you or you can listen to us <laughs> in the next podcast. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye.